are again, Steve Dunn Podcast. Crystal Baller is my guest today. Crystal is the creative director of We Rock Charlotte, formerly known as Girls Rock. This is a nonprofit that provides music education and summer programming to kids and adults. Crystal is also the bass player and singer of the band Hey Richard. Crystal's life story is intimately connected with her work, touching on issues of sexuality and gender identity in a moment in history in which our conceptions of those things are changing. I was so glad to have her on the Steve Dunn Podcast. an imposter all the time I've been doing this for years I'm a musician and I've been a musician for 20 years and it took me a decade to even say I'm a musician and even then it felt wrong but I'm I'm a musician you know one who plays and performs music (laughs) that's who I am but just owning that title it's not there's not really a space for women to have that title and the women who do have that title are questioned I can still feel like oh god like I don't know if I could pick up this bass in front of these people am I good enough to play with these people I'll do it and then when I go through the motions I'm like oh yeah that's right I know what I'm doing the work that you do through Pachyderm Music Lab through Girls Rock Charlotte through Lady Rockstars programs all this is geared toward putting instruments in the hands of women and girls and getting them up on stage to perform and it seems like one of the ways that this uh, can help people find their voice is that it gives them the opportunity to discover that the actual act of playing the instrument is maybe not as hard as they thought. And then the act of performing, which might be as hard as they thought, you know, to get over the hump, to, to have the courage to do that, but that it can be done. And if you force yourself to do it, then it opens up a whole world of thinking about other things that maybe you could do that you thought were beyond your reach. It's interesting how it spills into all different aspects of your life. And being a part of that process, like doing it again and again, it's a constant reminder to me of leaning into the things that scare you. Because if you don't, then you just stay in the same spot. Like, I want to grow as a person. I want to be a wise old woman one day. And you don't get wisdom by not doing anything. You have to have these experiences and you have to do the things that challenge you. Where are you focusing your energy and your efforts today? In, well... With the pandemic and everything, I mean, it really made me reflective as most of us is like, you know, the directions that we're taking. And also um, it brought attention to me about just how overworked I've been. Um, I feel like my purpose a lot of times has come before my own like self-care and mental health. So um, I was in a meeting with like a girls rock meeting and we were talking about the future of girls rock and I was looking at like our projected growth plan and we've been on track we've been steadily growing the pandemic definitely you know put things on mute for a second but um looking at how things are going to grow in the next five to ten years and then looking at how my business has grown uh significantly even during the pandemic I was like I don't see how I can do two things at once and um, when I look at it you know if I had to choose between two things if I had to pick Girls Rock or Packet Art Music Lab I would pick Girls Rock 
because Girls Rock's the reason why I do Pachyderm Music Lab. I started teaching at camp um, in 2014, and those kids I taught all needed a teacher or wanted a teacher. Hell, the kids I taught didn't even know what a bass guitar was, and then they got one. Well, I saw somewhere <laughs> that all the kids that you taught in 2014 went out and got a bass guitar, right? They did. So I feel like you are inspiring a whole generation, and there, there will be in the future this whole network of musicians out in the world who can sort of trace their musical heritage back to you. That That's a beautiful thought. I want a, a bass army. That would be great. Um, yeah, so all those kids got basses and they needed a teacher, and there's not a lot of women bass teachers in Charlotte. I know of two. And um, so I started teaching in, you know, just going to their houses, and then that just, it was this really organic thing that evolved. There was a need, and I kept saying yes to the need. And then, you know, by the time you get to from 2014 to 2021, 22, I've said yes a lot and I'm tired, you know, and looking and now I have the perspective of, you know, all this time, like the, when I first went into it, I just, I just had a baby, you know, I was in my late twenties and I've had all of my thirties to really like sift through what it is I want to do and understand how real like hard work is and how necessary rest is to be able to be creative so um also you know I've put my own creativity on the back burner during a lot of this time and I'm a creative person I have to create so um at that meeting it was just this decision of you know I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them if they want to take this thing that I built and I'll I'll like surrender it Basically to the what, nonprofit. And now what you're talking about is the nonprofit being Girls Rock Charlotte mm-hmm. and the thing that you built being Pachyderm Music Lab, right? Yeah. And Girls Rock Charlotte is a nonprofit uh, corporation that primarily puts on summer camps uh, for girls and gender diverse youth where uh, on the first day they put instruments in the hands of the participants and they form bands and they write original songs, they learn to play, and then all within one week, they perform their new original songs with their bands at a concert at the end. And then Pachyderm is your business, which is uh, music lessons, right? Mm-hmm. And so how, uh, how are those two organizations, which are related but separate, certainly having you in common, uh, what's happening with them today? Well, they um, have, Pachyderm has basically been absorbed by Girls Rock Charlotte. And um, a part of that is um, we received a um, an opportunity through Ray Ward to have a, a rebrand, a professional rebrand. And we've been talking about changing the name of Girls Rock for years now, and, and we knew it was time. You know, 20, from 2014 to now, language around gender has changed a lot. And we have a lot more of our youth identifying as non-binary. We have trans trans. Um, boy identifying youth in our programs and the name girls rock just isn't inclusive to those um, youth that we serve and then you know with pachyderm I I teach boys and I would say 40 percent of the student base they're they're boys and you know boys need to talk about this stuff too like if we want to like fix the system like it takes all genders to be aware of the issues so um 
creating a safe space in, in and also we've shared a house um it's called rock on 22nd it's on um 22nd street uh, right outside of noda and um you know we have boys in this space with girls and we create this collaborative kind of dynamic that that you know where we create uh respect for like basically i call it passing the mic and you know everybody's voice deserves to be amplified but sometimes you you get more time on the mic than others so you need to pass it more you know and so that's what we teach the boys um so that yeah i the uh, basically they were like yes this is this is amazing because you know now all of a sudden girls rock which is now we rock charlotte has year-round programming um the youth that we serve at summer camps can get year-round um music lessons and also the music lessons now not a for-profit business um they can they all that revenue can actually you know, sustain us having a building, an overhead there, and having staff, and we have teachers there all the time. Now we have people in the building who are there, support, and, and we all work to support the mission. And that's the thing that's different about Pachyderm is, you know, I, I was inspired to teach based off of all the values that I started to understand through Girls Rock Charlotte. I had these values and things I believed, but I didn't have the language around it yet when I was that young. And understanding, you know, um, like reflecting on my experiences as a woman in in music and how my path was stunted because of my gender, um, reflecting on that over the years and being able to, you know, communicate that to youth, it's been very valuable to like my own personal growth as you know a human and then also to the youth that that I serve and also creating an organization like this gives other musicians or it doesn't you don't have to be a musician but people interested in music in the arts we have a film camp too any of those kind of creative endeavors like how to use leverage your creativity to make impactful change and societal change because we can all look at like hey things are wrong and we need to fix it. And it just, there's, um, is it, there's a lot of like, well, what do we do? And it's, it's actually, the answer is just building relationships and having conversations, creating vulnerability. What I love about the approach of girls rock and as its mission is now evolving with the, the merger with Pachyderm and, you know, all the changes that are taking place. One of the things that I suspect will continue to hold true is that the approach is one of getting folks going right from the start in bands rocking out on stage. Like there's another approach to teaching music, which is to put an instrument in somebody's hand and say, okay, this is how you hold it. This is the scale. <laughs> you know, we're going to teach you like some very basic stuff and like, you know, like Mary had a little lamb will be the first song that you play. Uh, I think it is, I prefer the approach of getting, just going all out with it and just putting people in bands and getting them up on stage and giving them the, the whole experience right from the start because there's no reason not to like that's what people want to do that's the most fun way of playing an instrument so you might as well just skip to that right and then the other thing is that like that's how so many of the greatest bands in rock and roll history started was as kids 
who couldn't play, who figured out how to play by playing their mm-hmm. own songs. Who, who had to, I remember reading an interview with Bono from U2 where he said, we had to play our own songs because we, we didn't know how to play. <laughs> and we were incapable of playing anybody else's songs, so we had to write our own. Uh, is there is there something? What is it about the uh, that approach that you think is most empowering for the participants in your programs? It's interesting when you put and this works with adults too because I do it with lady rock stars. But when you put people in a situation where they're uncomfortable together, and they're doing something that they're not an expert at, then it forces them to bond really quickly. So it's interesting because you you know camps only five days, and by day two there's already this really strong bond, you know, forming. And that's when band practice starts. Once you introduce the band practice element, then they feel like best friends. And that I, I've never seen friendship bloom like that quickly with people. And it's because you're being vulnerable together. And also, um, you like that's like the fun part of music you know that's how you get the endorphin rush so that like fear and that adrenaline it's almost like oh like this is what it's like so getting like a taste of that early on to be like oh that's like I like that that's what I want to do and it's like facing your fear pushing through your fear I think it's the second Star Wars movie when um, Luke is training with Yoda and you know, he's like got it, like getting his lightsaber ready because there's like a cave and it's got like the dark side of the force in it. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go in there. He's getting his weapons. And Yoda's like, no, like the enemy's like within you, you know, and that's how he goes into the cave and he sees Darth Vader and he pulls the helmet off and it's him. Right. So that like that, like going into the cave, it's like going into the cave But instead of going in alone, you are going in with people that support you and cheer you on. And like you're facing your fears together because you actually have the same fear in this moment. And that's what creates this like intense bond, you know? Well, and I think it makes it right up on the surface and totally clear that the whole point is not to be polished or perfect, but to just do it. I don't really understand why I'm good at this. I've had people watch me do it and they're like, whoa, like you just, you intuitively know like when to, to communicate with that person while you're doing this thing. And it's my body language. And I don't, I had someone like sit with me cause, cause I'm like, how do I replicate me so I can, you know, have some, some rest. <laughs> and, um, she's like, it's going to be hard to train someone to do what you're intuitively doing because um, you just got, you're going to have to find the right person, I guess. And for me, I, I mean, the most powerful thing from all of it is basically at the end of it is whenever we're all sitting together and we have like our little, um, we do this, this thing called wish bracelets where we tie wishes around each other's wrists and actually have some on my wrist right now. Um, and you you give each other a compliment and a wish for each other and you know and it's been a short amount of time but you have a general idea of like what someone wants or needs or is looking for um because you've had these deeper conversations previously like leading up to this exercise and the amount of um just sweetness i feel like that part 
fills my cup. It's there's this deeper thing like everybody's going through stuff hard. I mean, all of us have been through an incredibly tough time. So having these moments and like literal threads of connection is so powerful um, and you get to take them with you, you know? And so every time I have like a wish on my wrist, I like can look at it and I can think of that person and, you know, just, you know, smile and remember like how incredibly badass they are. And it makes me feel badass too and capable, you know? There are probably a lot of different ways, uh, a lot of different activities that you can do to get at this mission that you're describing to to make the world a better place. There's a lot of different, you, you could you could draw, you could do sports. I'm sure there's a lot of different ways of doing it, but you're you're doing it through music, and music has played an important part in your life. Uh, you are one of the people those of us of a certain age are familiar with the columbia house one penny uh record collection that you can get uh you got a bunch of cds for one penny uh i must be a little bit older than you because i got cassette tapes uh when i did it uh do you happen to remember what any of those cds were i'm curious what the, the formative music was for you um radiohead the bends and nine inch nails pretty hate machine and the downward spiral um Green Day Dookie and I think now the other ones were just bad like I was one was like fuel I don't even I don't really remember them but I remember getting it I mean like this sucks <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like it even when you received no it. <laughs> no I got it well I was just I, like this art is cool or this you know my brother I know my brothers listened to this so like let me try to get it and I would like go and it would it would be like stealing his CDs and you know hoarding them away but Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead were huge for me the the Benz album I think is one of the best yeah and then uh, a couple other artists that I know that you've referenced as being influential with you include Smashing Pumpkins and White Zombie and uh, Rage Against the Machine but I gather those were not in that initial Columbia House offering no well I mean that was like right before I think I had a computer at that point that was like Windows 3.1 times um whiskey free and all that and, um it was funny I grew up in poverty but my family always had a computer because my dad was really interested in it and uh my I, I I think it was you know late middle school early high school when Napster was a thing so then I would download music and that's how I discovered all the other bands. But White Zombie was really important because, and Smashing Pumpkins, because both of them had women bassists. And they were the only women bassists that I was exposed to. And I would, you know, go to the mall and like look through the guitar magazines. And like it's just, you know, guys, guys, guys all throughout. But I found a picture of um Sean Usult from White Zombie and I was just like she had green hair and she was so cool and um same thing with Darcy I'm like yeah these these are like I want to be like them you know so you have these role models these women playing bass in these bands at the same time the bands themselves are playing music that explores life in its fullness including the dark side of life some you know emotions of uh anger and desperation and frustration and those sorts of things which to some extent uh 
everyone growing up and going to middle school and high school sort of experiences those types of things. But you, and you've had your own journey. Uh, where are you now musically? Like have your, what, what have your tastes evolved into as time has gone by and you've gone through different phases of life? Um, well, you know that during that whole time, like I missed out on riot girl. I like, I wasn't into punk music. I liked industrial and like goth music and classic rock, but punk just didn't do it for me then. And then um, now I'm like going back through and Spotify, you know, even though it sucks for paying artists, it's really cool for finding new music. And I got into Slater Kinney. I love Slater Kinney. Uh, there's this band called Priests. And I found it on, um, I listen to Chastity Belt a lot. So indie, more punk kind of stuff. Then I discovered the, the au pairs and the slits and like all of this, like classic Riot Girl kind of music that I had never heard before. So I love that. But also super into Thundercat. Um, he's really interesting individual and bass player, and his music is cool. Um, also, I like Aesop Rock a lot, and that kind of like cerebral hip hop with the night. Like, there's really solid beats, and I can understand everything he says, and I like the way he he thinks and the wordsmithery around that. Um, and then, like, I listen to, I think it's Bonobo or Bonobo. It's just, like, chill, you know, background kind of music, but I listen to it all the time because whenever I'm working, that's what I have in the background. I saw a chart one time of uh, it plotted rappers according to the number of different words that they use in their music. And Aesop Rock was so far at the end of the spectrum. He had, I mean, he wasn't just the one in terms, he's, he uses the most different words of any rapper, but, and it's not even close. Like second place is not even in the same ballpark. So, um, he picked a good one there. You know, I saw him at the Visualite. Uh, really? Yeah. Several years ago. It was, uh, it was Aesop Rock and he was playing with one other rapper and it was fantastic. I mean, rap shows for me are a little hit and miss. Uh, I've been to some, um, I saw De La Soul and a tribe called quest, oh, wow. uh, at, in Chapel Hill when I was in law school. But yeah, I was really excited about it, but it was terrible. Like, uh, the, oh, really? Yeah. The, the sound quality is very hit and miss. And so the, the sound was really bad and the, they were in a bad mood or something. They were upset with the crowd for not being enthusiastic enough or whatever. And, and it was a little, actually it's a little antagonistic. And so rap, um, rap often to me comes across best as a studio form like it because it's just clear everything sounds exactly just the way it's supposed to where there is there's a lot of other music that i like a lot that's very much meant to be performed completely live uh but that aesop rock show was unbelievable. the yeah. total exception to the rule I mean, it's perfect i saw run the jewels at the fillmore a few years ago and that was incredible they had a great show i was pumped the whole whole like mesmerized the whole time yeah, Rodrigo E. Gabriela is really cool um, too. Which I mean, it's not hip hop, but it's no, just these instrumentally. Are like, uh, like, wow. Yeah, like acoustic guitar, really like really involved acoustic guitar stuff. Very yeah. rhythmic acoustic guitar stuff. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I wish I could play acoustic guitar like that. Like she just beats her guitar like a drum, and it's it's really interesting. So you take all these musical influences and you bring them to your own band called Richard. Hey, Richard. Oh, is it hey, well, I'm sorry. Well, we hey, had to change it because oh. we tried to upload our album to Spotify and there, they wouldn't allow uh, a 37th Richard. Ah, 
Okay. Only 36 <laughs> Richards are allowed. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So now you're, hey, Richard. Is yeah. there an exclamation point on that? No, we okay. did not put, do that because we are all aware of SEO settings and punctuation that affects internet searches. So we are, it's just, hey, Richard, um, all caps preferred, but you know. Okay, I'll make sure I get that right in the show notes. <laughs> Have you had a chance to play lately with uh, COVID and everything? Like, how has it kind of set you back? Or are you keeping it going strong? No, we got we got better. That's great because our first show we had, our first show was at Skylark, which is a pretty decent place to have, or not Skylark, um, Snug Harbor, yes, which is a pretty decent place to have your first show. And uh, it was just because of Girls Rock kind of thing happened, and. Um, we played that and then we were scheduled to play the milestone and then that was March of 2020. So our gigs got canceled and you know, we hid from each other for a few months and then it was just kind of like, I need people. So can we get together? And, and uh, we have an awesome backyard stage at rock on 22nd. So we would just have outdoor practices for a while. And um, we released our first EP in July of 2020. One, yeah. Um, my wife's sister is she got her master's degree um, in I forget the exact title, but it's audio engineering related. And um, her master's thesis, she had to just do like a project where she recorded a band. So we got to go to um, College of the Coastal Carolinas and record in their studios at the college. And we did it in a weekend. We recorded a five song EP, and it was really fun. I learned a lot about recording from that um and then we we started getting show like shows once july hit everybody was just like all right let's let's do it so we were playing we're playing pretty much like one to two shows a month and um then we took a little break at the end of um last year to you know start writing some more songs which we did and we're going to start recording our full first full length album in the next couple months. I always love to talk to artists about creative process. And in this context, I'm curious, how does Hey Richard write songs? Uh, it just, it varies. Like it's kind of started with me and Staples. We were getting together and playing and she wanted to play. She, she's like, I play guitar in another, she plays guitar in Mercury Dimes and she fronts it. Um, so she's like, well, I think I want to play drums and then, we knew Sarah was a killer guitar player. We all volunteer together at uh, with Girls Rock, so with We Rock. Yes, <laughs> yes. We Rock. Char we Rock Charlotte. It's going to take us all some time to get used to. <laughs> I mean, it really will. Yeah. It's like Girls Rock has been a, an institution, but it's We Rock Charlotte. Yeah, well, and or know, is it Charlotte? And just, now I'm not a volunteer anymore. That's I'm right, an employee. But is and is it We Rock Charlotte or is it just We it's Rock? We Rock Charlotte. We Rock. We Rock Charlotte. All right. Yeah. Very good. Um. So we asked you know, Sarah to play with us. And then I already had some songs that I had written. Um, so I brought those to the table and then we just made Savannah come. We were just like, you're just in the band. Just get the, <laughs> just do it. Savannah. <laughs> and she was like, okay. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, f we formed a band that way. And then, you know, sometimes we, we, uh, we've actually done the exquisite corpse game that we play with the kids at camp where you, uh, write lines down and you rip things up into little strips and then you lay them all out and you form a song that way based off a central theme um some songs uh sarah's just written sarah will like go in garage band and just write 
some things and be like, what do you think? And send it our way. And we're like, yes, Sarah. Yes. And so Sarah's been singing more, which is cool for me. Cause then I can play more complicated bass lines and stuff. Cause I don't have to worry about the vocals. Um, do you and, find it hard to play and sing at the same time? I find it hard to play other people's stuff because right. I write it based off of what I can do. What you can do. Right. Yeah. I got some really good advice when I started playing guitar. Somebody told me to start singing as soon as you start playing. Because if you sing and play from day one, you'll always be able to do that. Whereas if you learn how to play, <laughs> when you try to add singing later, it'll be hard. It'll, it'll just be a, a challenging thing to do. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, too, because like your brain is mapping out how to play. And it would be connecting this other part of your, you know, like the verbal communication part, like those neural pathways would be connected at the time of creation. So you it you had would have to work hard to create new pathways later. Well, that's great. I hadn't thought about it biologically, but actually what you're saying makes a ton of sense. Do you record your vocal track separate from your bass track? I think that's what we're going to do the next album. But we usually just record live because that's how we're used to playing. That makes sense. Okay, so you have all four of you playing live. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But then if I I have songs I've recorded just as Crystal Baller, and you know I layer a bunch of stuff and I'll layer harmonies and all this stuff separately. We're really good about giving each other feedback and supporting each other in that way because I mean Savannah and Sarah have never been in a band before, but me and Staples both have, and we we have both been in bands with men. <laughs> who tend to not give you that much feedback. Uh, be like, hey, what do you think of this thing? And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I spend all this time writing this stuff. Uh, what Do you have any pointer? Like, what, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the communication between men and women. The, the, <laughs> the conversation that has existed for millennia. I'm sure, I'm sure if we were talking to some of your male band members, if they were here, they would say, well, Crystal, uh, that's because it was fine. Like, we, we thought it was fine. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> You're able to, within Hey Richard, uh, have more... Um, thorough conversations about the, the as you're going through the creative process together yeah that's yeah. great is and it so fun I we mean, all you... work in different ways too like i mean i have a lot of experience of like just improv in the moment kind of stuff sarah does too like she's good at just jamming um and staples will be like just play that loop for like a minute and let me figure out what the hell i'm doing because she's pretty new to drums and savannah's like you know I think being a piano player originally or taking piano lessons like in a methodical way for a long time, it, it makes you think and um, like, let me figure this thing out before I present you with this, this idea. So Savannah will be like, okay, I'm going to record this and then I will bring my piece later. And she's really good about that. She wrote, we have a new song called Someday and she wrote all the lyrics. Savannah's just like, I wrote a song. Here's a printed out copy. Savannah is our secretary who um, keeps everything together. She updates our Google Calendar, maintains our Google Drive. <laughs> so I think we bring we each bring a different piece of ourselves. You know, we all operate in different ways, but it it works really well. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Did you? collectively freak out before that first gig? I mean, you're talking about like, two people who have never been in a band before, right? And the first time you're stepping out on stage in public is at Snug Harbor in front of what... I was at that show, and it was a pretty good crowd, too. I mean, were you were you nervous? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been playing for a long time, too, and I'm, I'm still nervous. But I was nervous. We had a show at the Milestone um, recently, and it, 
I was like, my tummy feels weird. Like, I don't know. But in there, it's like in the middle of a pandemic. So it's, it's not like the crowds are like huge right now anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, we all get nervous and, and we talk about it. And then once you get past the first couple songs then all the butterflies are out and it's just fun. I think there's something about getting through that. I, I think it's one of the big barriers that keeps people from starting in the first place. Um, as a musician myself, I when I, I was playing, when, uh, like through college, I was playing in orchestras and stuff like that. I would get nervous before a performance, even if I'm just like one of like 90 people on stage. And I, I can kind of, you can hide a lot more than you can in a rock band in that sort of context. But nevertheless, uh, you know, we we all would be sort of on edge. And that's, simultaneously it's kind of um it's what makes it good in a way because it it focuses your attention very clearly on what you're trying to do and uh that's one of the things that i think is so valuable about music education uh certainly for kids like i you know i think there's something in it for any kid uh to do and music i think used to be a more prominent part of the school curriculum do you think i mean it seems like it's kind of going away a little bit now it's 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 like optional i don't understand why it's optional i don't i don't understand and music like you're looking at language art skills you're looking at math skills like all of these fundamental things that you're you have to learn in school but it's in a fun way and it can be taught in a way like hey let's learn about fractions yeah it's it's like math in the sense that it's a language that everybody kind of understands and it's fun it's great fun even at the very beginning stages i mean i remember like clapping blocks together and playing xylophones when i was a kid doing you know the little music class in school but it also teaches um just wonderful skills that carry over into all parts of life like hey you know if you practice something you get better at it you know that's nice to know like you have to figure that out uh and it's easy to figure out when you're playing music you try you play something 10 times and guess what you can play it better than when you started and it's also about working with others just the collaboration that you described with hey richard the collaboration that the participants in girls rock charlotte have gone through over the years um forming their bands these are these are things that are about and you have said that even if your participants, I think you were talking about lady rock stars when you said that, but the idea is that even if you just learn one song and even if that doesn't become a permanent feature of your life, even if you never pick up a guitar again after that time, you've done something to gain confidence and to get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like leaning into your fear, right? I think that's the, there's, there's different musical paths, right? You've got the music lessons that will like dive into theory and like understanding why and developing technique and all that. But then you've got programs like the summer camps or like lady rock stars or like the women rock retreat, um, where we, you know, you jump in a band and it's, you're shown a way that is very simple. And that's the key. I feel like if you overcomplicate it with all the technical stuff, people get overwhelmed and they're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's like, let me, we're going to do a two chord song. That's actually going to sound pretty good. And then when they hear it and they're like, Oh, you're right. Like this actually, you know, what did the kids say? They, this slaps. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this slaps. Even, even though by the time we say that, like, the, by the time this podcast comes out into the world, I'm sure, I'm sure slaps is already like yesterday's yeah. news. I'm sure there's like new stuff out now, new yeah. words these days. But. 
It's yeeted it out of there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Slabs got yeeted out a long time ago. I think that's exactly right. You are fortunate enough to be developing relationships with young musicians all around. And you know well how powerful that mentoring and teaching type relationship can be because you had an influential figure in your life, a guy named Mike Allen. What, uh, what was your relationship with him and how did he set you on the course that led you to where you are today? Well, um, whenever I, I moved away from West Virginia and I went to Hilton Head um, to just explore new opportunity, basically. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, but I've always been a music lover and I uh, would go out and see this band play called Four Piece and a Biscuit. And they were like a funky, like 90s hip hop kind of party band. So it was really fun to dance to. They played covers. And um, I just ended up hanging out with those guys a lot. And um, Mike, who played drums in the band, he, but he also can play everything. Um, he ended up just being around a lot. And um, one night I picked up an acoustic bass that was at his house and I started messing around with it and he was like whoa yo B you can play and I'm like no like don't look at me I don't know what I'm doing and he's like no and I was playing like it was like paranoid android by radiohead or 46 and 2 by tool like those are my two like bass like these are the songs that make me look cool standbys but you know I'd been a long time so then he then I sat down on his couch and he was so excited like he just lit up and was like okay wait like do this thing and he showed me something and he grabbed a guitar and I kept doing he's like keep going and then he started playing guitar and I had my first like jam session and I'm like this is fun can we do it again and he's like hey you know you should learn these songs and then he gave me a set list and it was seriously like after that I, I think I learned the whole set list uh this is this is 30 to 40 songs and in about two weeks. What, yeah. kind, what kind of stuff did that band play? Uh, like Brick House. Um, there yeah. was a lot of like, uh, we'd play like, I think it's Oceans by Led Zeppelin into like the Beastie Boys song that sampled it. So there we would play like a classic rock song and then transition into the hip hop sample and go back in between. Um, what is that song? It takes two to make the things go right. Yeah, okay. Was, I, I love the fact that you mentioned Brickhouse first, though. Because well, I, I because have I just played, taught it. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, I've played Brickhouse thousands of times. I was in a, a beach music band when I was in law school, and but it was a it was it was a beach music band, but really it was like a wedding reception band, which means that you kind of play like whatever, you know, like we were not limited to any one genre, but brick house was like one song that you could be certain was going to be played every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People dance to it. Absolutely. But then in retrospect, so I ended up teaching the song and then I was like, listen to him. I'm like, Oh my God, this song is so sexist. Like <laughs> it's actually true of a whole lot yeah. of the songs from that era. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, 36, 24, 36. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> then I started to teach it to a student, and I'm like, actually, let's let's not do this one. <laughs> no more brick house. No, no more body shaming, sexist BS. And, you know, it's fun to dance to, and if I do hear it, I will, like, reminisce about the times I played it because the bass line's really fun. 
but um i don't know a lot of that stuff and a lot of the 90s hip-hop stuff you know it's really all of it but you know we've evolved just as a society and we don't speak in the same way we used to which is great yeah that's absolutely true it's uh that's one of those things that uh is constantly evolving and and changing and like the culture that we live in that we just sort of take for granted today is going to look very different when we look back on it uh, 30 40 years from now Uh, the world is changing and we are changing at the same time and one of the things that i know inspires you and gives meaning to your work as you help bring about a better world for the future is the fact that you're a parent yourself and you have a daughter named cadence and you're married now uh, this is your second marriage and your wife also has children right she has a son yeah he's 18 Cadence is eight well there you go all right so a little bit of a difference in age but i know that um, I wonder what kind of world you hope uh, Cadence grows up into and, and what how, what you see as uh, the similarities and the differences in, in the world that she lives in and the one that you grew up in. Well, I mean, Cadence has already been taught since she started, I started to communicate with her that there's more than two genders. So you should be playing with her Pokemon and she'll be making up Pokemon and she'll be like, this Pokemon is they. And this is her and this is, you know, like she plays with non-binary as a factor, which is just cool. If I say that I'm non-binary, then like all of the chains that bind me as a woman fall away and I can just be crystal baller. And like the, like when I had that realization, like it was very freeing to me. I, you know, I don't have to look a certain way or be a certain way. Like I can feel comfortable in my own body. And like, I've had body issues my whole life. And like, it was the first time that I felt like I could really breathe. And so like having that realization and then, you know, kids have an option to explore gender that we didn't have. So they're not going to be as restricted in the way that they're thinking about it. But we're wired to, you know, we're not giving them great examples either. Like all these Snapchat filters and stuff where they all have to look a certain way. Well, like maybe I would want to be a a boy too because I wouldn't have to use the Snapchat filter to like look like, you know, this movie star. It's interesting. And boys don't have to have the filters, right? So it's like a, it's like a key to, to get out of that. I was really struck when we had kids going something as simple as going to target to get a soccer ball uh, for my daughter and finding a shelf full of soccer balls. And little did I know that there's different soccer balls for boys and girls. Oh, yeah. They had the pink ones. Right. The ones that had like princesses on soccer balls. Right. And then then they had like the the, the, I guess the manly or the, the boys soccer balls. And this was this was not something I had anticipated at all. I didn't realize like how gendered toys were until then. And then I was I was confronted with this dilemma because Clara wanted the pink soccer ball. <laughs> and then I'm thinking like, well, what do I do? Do I do I like not give her the the girl's soccer ball? Like do I shame her for liking pink? Like I don't, I don't want to do that either. It's a whole minefield that like it seems like it it doesn't need to exist, but it's part of this uh cultural uh 
landscape that you know it, this is our time and place this is kind of where we are uh, as a society and it's changing and i think it's changing fast mm-hmm. but it's a work in progress right and uh it's uh, i think there's greater awareness around those issues now and you yourself you know your own life history exemplifies this sort of transitional period that we're in as a society right now you know as someone who was married to a man who is now married to a woman i think that there and I think there's a lot of people uh, who have had a life history like that, right? But that in the future, I think it's fair to expect there will be fewer, right? I, I think that there will be uh, fewer people who grow up. And this is in part because of the work that you and others are doing. I think that folks are going to be a lot more likely as time goes by to grow up um, defining themselves in a more natural way and being confidently and authentically themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even an option for me to come out, you know, it, I didn't, and I didn't have room to explore it either. It, and it was like, if I, if I have to choose between two things, of course, I'm going to go the easier path. But I feel like if I, and of course I wouldn't change anything. Cause I, you know, I have my daughter cadence who's amazing and wonderful, but I, I feel like a lot of the decisions I made were based out of fear and not like my own free choice because I, needed to be this way to like have my family so that's been it's been interesting to see too like between the way that I was brought up um and then like the supportive way that I see families move through this stuff now and um it just gives me a lot of hope because there's a lot of people you know our age who have changed who have done the work who are creating spaces for their kids to for, truly express themselves, even though like we feel weird about it and it's okay to feel weird and not understand, but like we're still open to it and we're not going to just be like, you have, you are this thing and you will be this thing. Cause if you aren't this thing, then I will have failed as a parent. I feel like we're all a lot more open to like um, self-help and just personal development. And we're not in like our beliefs, our beliefs, they can change over time and there's more space for the change of beliefs and the change of values than there used to be, you know, 10 years even ago. So when I was a kid, like I remember seeing, and this, this was like one of those like pivotal moments There was, uh, an episode of 2020 was on and it showed two women who, um, their someone killed their dog and, they wrote bitch on the side of their house with the dog's blood and it was two lesbian women and they were talking about them being lesbians and I and I I I turned my brother and I was like what's a lesbian and he said it's when two women um are together like a boy and a girl are together and I was just like oh okay that's really bad. So like any, I already knew at that point that I was attracted to girls. And then I was just like, Oh, like I'll, I could die if that's the way I feel, you know? So that was, that was huge for me. But then I've had a huge track record of dating very effeminate men (laughs) over time. You know what you like. Well, you're married now, and I had the great privilege of attending your wedding. I got to tell you, it was uh, one of the coolest 
not just weddings, but just events that I've ever been to. It was outdoors. It was uh, Uptown Charlotte with, uh, there was this past summer an art installation of, what would you call it, inflatable rabbits? Is that yeah. a, a good description? It's these giant balloon rabbits, uh, many of which were illuminated, but not all. And uh, you got married there, and it was... It started out. This is just my experience of your wedding. If you'll indulge me, I'm I, excited I, to I'm, hear it. All right, I'm just going to tell you. It's like, well, the way it began was, um, we got there really early, and we were walking around. We weren't sure exactly where we were supposed to be, and so we were just kind of looking around. And I just knew I was going to see some familiar faces, and I did see familiar faces. And I went up and talked to people, and but there are all these people I knew from different walks of life, and I was just like, "Are you here for this wedding?" And nobody was. <laughs> so I kept talking to people, and anyway, we never exactly figured it out. But eventually, you know, the crowd started to coalesce, and and it started out as being this beautiful night. It was warm, and uh, the the setting was spectacular, and. Um, it started out just being this, like for me, just this really like cool place to be. Um, and then what I'll always remember about it were the expressions of love that you and Elizabeth had for each other. And I don't know if that's, if you, you call that your vows or whatever, the words that you said to each other. That was the part that uh, struck me. Weddings are such happy occasions because it always is the celebration of love. And the words that you all said to each other um, really brought that home in, in such a powerful way. Um, and so anyway, that's my take on it. What did you, how did you feel about your wedding? Did you think it was a good one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. My wedding was beautiful and it was more than I dreamed, honestly. And the fact that I, there's, um, I feel like we didn't have any breaks on anything. It was like this really fun way to like have a wedding um, and then we we saved money on the ceremony, having it in such a cool place. So we had a killer reception with an amazing band, and it was so beautiful at the Grand Bohemian Hotel in Charlotte. And um, I don't, I mean, my wife, like, wow, just gorgeous. And I felt just like so cool in my like suit. And the the bunnies, the bunnies were in Charlotte two years prior at um charlotte shout and it was the first year that they did it and uh amanda pear has this series it's called intrude so they're just bunnies the size of buildings and some are smaller and some are bigger but they're just really fun and uh i this was like one of the first dates i went on with elizabeth we went to the charlotte shout festival together and um we went twice actually and I, once with the kids and once without and we just played and it was we were just goofy and i had been going like that was when i was like going through custody battle and i was going through a lot and our relationship started off like intensely um but it was the first time we we like let our guards down and beyond like oh this is like it's like you know a lot of us find our identity in like what we do and a lot of our identities were wrapped up in like, I am this thing and I professionally do this thing and I'm an expert in this creative thing and like, you know, let me impress you. And then it was just like, hey, we're both total dorks and like, let's bounce off the side of this rabbit and flip through these like mirrors and spin around in circles and just be goofy together. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm like, dang, like she's she's amazing. She's really, really fun and, um, so having it 
and also having friends in high places <laughs> because um, our friend Bree Stallings, she works as the, um, I think it's artistic director or director of artistic experiences for the Blumenthal. And um, Shout ended up getting canceled because of the pandemic surge. And um, she made sure that the, they already had the shipment of the bunnies from Australia. She made sure they went up. And she installed um, an Of Earth and Sky poem at the site, as, a, as brave as the beat of my heart, right in front of where we got married. Because, like, she did that intentionally. Like, that was a gift to us. So it was really cool to have, like, just it all happened the way it should, you know. And we had a great honeymoon, too. We went to Asheville, and it was it was really nice. Well, there was a great vibe there. It was a great crowd, and uh, I was very pleased to, to be there with the whole family. It was, it was awesome because it was outdoors. So it was just casual. Like anybody could come and, and you didn't have to, it wasn't like formal in any sort of way. You're just kind of gathering around and we, they probably picked up a few random people. I, I wouldn't surprise me at all <laughs> for sure. if there were some extra people there uh, to enjoy. And so that, that's fantastic. Uh, you are in many ways, it sounds like things are going great now you've got your band going you're married you've got we rock charlotte going i know life well enough to know that nothing is ever easy for anybody ever yeah. <laughs> there's always challenges that are before us but what do you see uh as the future bringing for you and your work finally i see it bringing stability because running like now I don't have to run this thing by myself and I have help with We Rock Charlotte and I'm a part of We Rock Charlotte and I'm not this volunteer thing for Girls Rock and then running my own business trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And even though that was, you know, decently successful, it it was tiring. And um, I see that now that I'm older, I really understand the importance of boundaries and also understand the importance of um, well, really what the qualities are that make up a great leader and a great leader, it's not about leading. It's about like teaching other, it's making space for other leaders and giving them tools to lead. It's not controlling everything. And so I've spent a lot of time like controlling everything and, um, now I'm, I'm ready to make space and, you know, give insight and wisdom and train and like, then, you know, open open the doors for other people you know your no is somebody else's yes and I've experienced that like people like stepping away from things and then all then you know two or three more people opening like stepping through and I just see the growth potential and all of the stuff and like all the joy it's going to bring to all of the the community of Charlotte in general I feel like I'm I'm ready to stop holding so much and to just like open my arms and, and release it. Crystal Waller, I am thankful for all that you do uh, for Charlotte and for the world. And I'm especially thankful for the positive impact that you've had in my own family. Uh, and I'm particularly grateful today for you choosing to spend your time with me on the Steve Dunn podcast. Thanks. For Thanks so much, Steve.